You can read these stories and find out more about our resources and our books on our website, blackineducation.com. James Armistead was born in the 1700s. He was enslaved by a man named William Armistead in Virginia. Virginia would turn out to be an important stage for what would become effectively the last major conflict of the Revolutionary War. In 1781, Major General Marquis de Lafayette arrived in Yorktown, Virginia, on March 14th of that year. Lafayette hoped to capture Benedict Arnold, who was by now a Brigadier General in the British Army. In May of 1781, Major General Cornwallis, on the British side, also arrived in Virginia. Cornwallis was in command of thousands of troops. He had hoped to stop the flow of rebels from Virginia to other parts of the South. He also hoped to deal a blow to the economy of Virginia, as Virginia's tobacco and food crops were partly used to help fund the Revolutionary War. Cornwallis made his presence felt, and on July 9, 1781, Marquis de Lafayette wrote, This devil Cornwallis is much wiser than the other generals with whom I've dealt. He inspires me with a sincere fear, and his name has greatly troubled my sleep. While all this was going on, James Armistead was allowed to volunteer, quote-unquote, for the Revolutionary War, even though he was an enslaved man. He was a member of the Continental Army, but would soon be called upon to do other tasks. When Marquis de Lafayette met James Armistead, he realized that Armistead and others could be a valuable asset to him as a spy. Lafayette instructed James Armistead to go to the British side and to pretend to be running away from enslavement. You see, in 1775, the British under Lord Dunmore in Virginia declared that all indentured servants and Negroes to be free who were willing and able to bear arms for His Majesty's troops, and those who belonged specifically to rebels, those who belonged to loyalists, were not included. So Lafayette decided that James Armistead could be the perfect spy if he could pretend to run away and gain access to the enemy's camp. James Armistead did go to British encampments, and he was so well-received and believed that Benedict Arnold and General Cornwallis made use of his skills. Reportedly, he was asked to help guide British troops around the area. He also became a servant of several commanders, including General Cornwallis himself. In this role, he had access to secret information and and would often funnel that information to Lafayette on the American side. General Cornwallis believed Armistead so much that he asked Armistead to spy on the American side and on Lafayette. As a double spy, James Armistead could freely go to the American side because they knew he was spying for them, and he could also freely go to the British encampment because they believed he was actually spying for them. Although he does not mention James Armistead by name, most believe that this letter, dated July 31, 1781, from Marquis de Lafayette to George Washington, speaks of James Armistead's espionage. Lafayette wrote, My dear General, A correspondent of mine, servant to Lord Cornwallis, writes on the 26th of July at Portsmouth and says Tarleton and Simcoe are still in town, but expect to move. The greatest part of the army is embarked. There is in Hampton Road one 50-gun ship and two six- and 30-guns for gates. Eighteen sloops loaded with horses. There remain but nine vessels in Portsmouth, and they appear to be getting ready. My lord's baggage is yet in town. His lordship is so shy of his papers that my honest friend says he cannot get at them. There is a large quantity of Negroes, very valuable indeed, but no vessel, it seems, to take them off. What garrison they leave, I do not know. I shall take care, at least, to keep them within bounds. The troops I mentioned at my last to have crossed over in 19 boats from Portsmouth to Norfolk were, as it is said, going to Sowell's Point, a good embarking place. From what is said of the Negroes, though, it is not very plain. I should rather think they are working on the water side. 
My accounts from Portsmouth are later than the fellow's epistle. But as a servant has opportunities to hear, I thought it was worth communicating to your excellency. Yes, Marquis de Lafayette notes that there was a large quantity of Negroes with the British and that they were very valuable indeed, referring to them as if they were property and not people seeking to obtain their own freedom. And he appears not to want them to let them get away. When he says, but no vessel it seems to take them off, what garrison they leave I do not know. I shall take care at least to keep them from within bounds. So James Armistead gave Lafayette all kinds of information, including specifics about equipment and plans. In return, Lafayette also gave James Armistead false information to give to British commanders, which they did use to make decisions that ended up being very important as it relates to the Battle of Yorktown. Of course, as you know, General Cornwallis surrendered at the Battle of Yorktown on October 19, 1781. This was the last major conflict of the Revolutionary War, and the Treaty of Paris was later signed in September of 1783. After his time in the Revolutionary War, James Armistead was returned back into slavery, despite having expertly served American interests during the war. His owner, William Armistead, was a member of the House of Delegates in Richmond, Virginia. While in Virginia, Marquis de Lafayette encountered James Armistead again. There he wrote a personal letter of recommendation for James Armistead. Marquis de Lafayette wrote, This is to certify that the bearer by the name of James has done essential services to me while I had the honor to command in this state. His intelligence from the enemy's camp were industriously collected and most faithfully delivered. He perfectly acquitted himself with some important commissions I gave him and appears to me entitled to every reward his situation could admit of. Done under my hand, Richmond, November 21, 1784, signed Lafayette. James Armistead took this information and submitted a formal petition to the General Assembly to be freed from slavery because of his service during the war. The General Assembly, however, adjourned before a final decision could be reached. James Armistead then submitted another petition on November 30, 1786, and this time the House of Delegates passed an act freeing him on December 25, 1786. The Senate then passed a bill on January 1, 1787, and James Armistead became a free man.